All right, we'll open your Bibles to John, the first chapter, the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking at John's account of the Gospel. That's what we're going to be talking about. Have a little trivia question for you this morning. How many Gospels are there? One. Very good. I hope somebody didn't say four because there's not four Gospels. I heard it over here. I'm not going to point out any names, but whoever it was, I'm checking their name off. They're getting a star this morning for that answer. There are not four Gospels. There is one Gospel, four different accounts of that Gospel. Each one of them sharing or written to a different group of people uh, and speaking to what is going on in their life. But have you ever noticed something about the Gospel of John? Of all of the Gospel accounts... His is the most different. It doesn't resemble what we sometimes refer to as the synoptic Gospels. The synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the reason we refer to them as the synoptic Gospels is they share much of common, or they have a lot of common information that they share. Many of the stories that you find recorded in Matthew, you will also find recorded in Luke and Mark as well. Well, that's not true of the Gospel of John. John is writing for a whole different reason, and John's purpose for writing is he wanted his readers to know who Jesus Christ is so that they might believe and live. That was his desire. If you were to read... John, the 20th chapter, verses 30 through 31, that is what you would read. John tells us the purpose of his book in those verses. He wanted them to know who Jesus Christ was so that they might believe and live. Well, over the next several months, we are going to be in the gospel of John. You know, one of the great joys of preaching God's Word for me is I love to preach God's Word line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And the reason I'll enjoy preaching and teaching God's Word that way is I believe that is the way God intended for us to read His Word. I don't think that he wanted us jumping from one verse to another verse in a different passage of Scripture, not to say that a different passage of Scripture may not shed light on a particular verse, but it is written in a book form so that we can begin from the beginning to the end and we can follow a common theme throughout the book. We can learn something significant in the book. So, beginning today... Through several months, you're going to probably say, oh my goodness, I am going to preach through the gospel of John. And the reason I want to do that is for this reason. I want us all to get to know Jesus better. All right? So that everyone might believe and live. I want all of us to be able to go to the Word of God and know why it is we believe what we believe, and to know in our hearts, to know, to know, to know, that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So, this is the question I want to ask you this morning. I'm not going to say a survey of the congregation, but I do want to ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? 
Who is Jesus Christ? Do you know that's a question that has been debated for hundreds and hundreds of years? Some people say that Jesus Christ was just simply this historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago. Others say, oh, no, no, he was more than that. Jesus wasn't just a historical figure that lived 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ was also a good moral teacher, and he led a religious movement. And then others would say, oh, no, no, Jesus was that rebel. He led an insurrection against the Roman government. And you know what? He was borderline a lunatic. I mean, think about some of the claims that he made. They were literally out of this world, weren't they? And then others would say this morning, no, Jesus is who Jesus claimed to be. And there's not a shadow of a doubt. I have come to realize something in my journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what I've come to understand. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. What's most important is how you answer that question. Who is Jesus Christ? Because really, that's all that matters is who you say Jesus is. So as we begin this series of messages, I want us to start in John, the first chapter. And as we approach this passage of Scripture, I want us to seek to answer that question this morning. I want us to answer the question, who is Jesus? Because I believe in this passage of Scripture, John makes three tremendous claims about Jesus Christ. And I think if we're truly if we're going to honestly understand who Jesus Christ is, we need to look at the evidence, don't we? If I wanted to know someone who someone is, I would want to examine the evidence to see if they are who they said they really were. And as John opens this gospel account, he starts by showing his readers Jesus is who he said he was. And he's going to make these three claims about Jesus Christ. First, he is going to claim that Jesus is the Word. Now, you may be like me. When I read that, I'm like, what in the world does John mean when he says Jesus Christ is the Word? The second claim that John is going to make this morning is this. Jesus is the eternal God. And the third claim he is going to make in this passage of Scripture is Jesus is Creator. So if you have your Bibles this morning, find John, the first chapter. We're not going to venture very far into chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through, one, I mean one through 3 this morning, and we're going to see if John, what John claims about Jesus Christ is really true. So I want us to begin reading right here, beginning or starting in verse 1, and we're going to stop along the way, and I'm going to make some comments about each one of those claims that John makes concerning Jesus Christ. So let's begin right here in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was 
God. Now, I want us to stop right there because I want to ask you a question. Are you surprised where John starts his gospel message? I am. It's so unlike the other gospel accounts. There's no story about a manger and a baby being born in a stable in the town of Bethlehem. There's no genealogical account of Jesus Christ's family lineage in this passage of Scripture. Actually, there is no wise man that comes to visit Jesus Christ at all in John's gospel account. When I read that, I think to myself, why in the world has John left out all of those significant events in the life of Jesus? John simply says, as he opens this gospel account, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's what John says. Now, when I read that for the very first time, I asked myself the question, what in the world does John mean? Three different times in this first verse, John uses the phrase, the Word. He says, the Word in the beginning was the Word. He follows that up by a second statement, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, when I read that, I have to draw the conclusion there is some kind of message, some kind of truth that is significant that John is wanting to relay to his readers. Wouldn't you agree with me? When we find something repeated time and time again in a short verse of Scripture like that, I mean, it becomes quite obvious, oh my goodness, John is trying to say something here in this passage of Scripture. Do you see that here? Three different times he refers to the Word. And I think we need to start by asking ourselves the question, who in the world is John referring to when he refers to the Word? Well, if we read the rest of this chapter, we would understand real quickly who it is that John is referring to. In verse 14 of chapter 1, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, it's obvious that John is speaking about Jesus Christ himself. So the opening statement, John is saying, Jesus is the Word. Now, I don't know about you, that doesn't bring a lot of clarity for me. What do you think? I've discovered that Jesus is the Word, but what in the world does John mean when he says, Jesus is the Word? What is he referring to in this passage of Scripture when he continually refers to Jesus Christ as the Word? Actually, John is saying Jesus is the very expression of God. Isn't that the definition of a word? A word is an audible or visual expression of a thought. Isn't that true? Let me give you a little test this morning, all right? How many of you are mind readers? I'm thinking of a word in my mind this morning, all right? I, have any, I hope I don't have any mind readers here. You got, do you know what I'm thinking this morning? Do you know what word I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the word ostrich. That's the word I'm thinking of this morning. Now think about it for a moment. As soon as I said the word ostrich, what came to your mind? Man, a picture of an ostrich, didn't you? You saw this big bird that lumbers along with a long neck who can't fly. Isn't that what you saw in your mind? 
Well, that's exactly what John is saying in this passage of Scripture. He is saying that Jesus Christ is the very expression of God in the human flesh, is what he's saying. The Apostle Paul said it this way in the book of Colossians, Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God. Jesus himself said this to Philip, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When John says that Jesus Christ is the Word, he is saying if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus Christ. He is God in the human flesh is what he is saying. You know, oftentimes people wandering, wander around wondering who God is. The only thing you need to know about who God is is look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will define for us who God is John said Jesus Christ was the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God in the human flesh. God became flesh. That's what he said in verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt there is a very unique word in the Greek language. It actually means to tabernacle with us. I like that word. It just gives, I don't know why they used that word. They said dwelt. I would have rather if they would have said tabernacled among us. Because it seems so personal, doesn't it? Jesus didn't just come here to earth and kind of live a separate life away from us and we can never really grasp who he was. He actually came and he lived among us. He rubbed shoulders with us. He tabernacled among us. God in the human flesh. Think about that. Doesn't that blow your mind this morning when you think about the fact God was willing, willing to wrap himself in human flesh, step out of glory, come here to earth, take on the form of a servant, willingly go to a cross, hang there and die for our sins to pay the penalty for it. I don't know about you, but I'm blown away by that when I think about that. Aren't you? The very God wrapped himself in human flesh, and he tabernacled among us. Wow. John's first claim about Jesus Christ is Jesus is the Word. He is the visual expression of God in the human flesh, is what he said. So let's go back to this text, and I want us to read verses 1 and 2. I want you to listen to what it says here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, I'm always surprised at how John starts this particular passage. He says, in the beginning. The very first verse of the Bible starts with exactly the same words. Have you noticed that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All right, I want us to pause right here because this is one of those challenging verses of Scripture to understand. 
And some people have taken this verse and they've changed how it reads. And they've added one simple article to this passage of Scripture and they make it read like this. And the word was a God. There's some people who have done that. And what they teach is this, is that Jesus Christ was just like you and I when he was born. He was no different than we are. But through his obedience and through suffering on the cross and rising from the dead, he achieved Godhood. And if you are willing to live an obedient life and suffer on the behalf of God, one day when you die, you will also achieve Godhood. There's only two major problems with that belief. First, those groups have changed the Word of God to fit their beliefs. It is very clear when you read this text in the Greek language, there is no article A. It simply says, and the Word was God. It is very clear. It is not ambiguous. We don't need to guess. It is very clear what the Word of God says. The second problem in this passage of Scripture is this. It's inconsistent with what Jesus Christ said about himself. On more than one occasion, we find Jesus himself claiming to be God. As a matter of fact, I would tell you this morning, the Jewish people understood this fact. It is only in the world in which we live in today that we struggle to understand who Jesus Christ is. Jesus very clearly on more than one occasion in Scripture claimed to be God in the human flesh. Quickly turn over to John the 8th chapter, and I want you to listen to what it is, what's going on in this story. There's a story that is taking place here. It's actually an argument that has ensued between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They are accusing Jesus of being a Samaritan and being demon-possessed because he has made the claim his followers would never taste death. I want you to listen to what it says here, beginning in verse 52. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Now, I tell you something. I love Jesus Christ. You know why? Jesus minces no words with people. Did you notice that? He very clearly in this passage of Scripture is speaking to the most religious people of his day and time, and he's just called them a liar to their face. That's what he said there, right? Then he goes on to say, hey, I want you to know something. You're not children of God. You're children of the devil. Jesus minces no word. I, I'm convinced that Jesus Christ was a, brim, uh, a brimstone and, and, and hellfire preacher. He called it just like it was. There was nothing unclear with Jesus Christ. Now go back and listen to what he says here. Verse 56, the clue, the key is in this verse. 
Your father rejoiced that your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to, him, to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, is what Jesus Christ said. Do you remember how God revealed himself to Abraham? I mean, to Moses through the burning bush? He said, Moses, you tell them the great I am has sent you. Jesus Christ comes here and he says, I truly say to you before Abraham ever was, I am. Jesus was claiming to be God in the human flesh with his very words right here. Now listen to what else it says in this passage. You say, well, maybe they didn't understand who Jesus was claiming to be. Listen to what he says here in verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why in the world would the Jews want to stone Jesus Christ? They were wanting to stone Jesus Christ because they understood Jesus was claiming to be God. By making that statement, Jesus himself was claiming to have existed in the beginning. Not because he had a beginning as a creature, but because he is eternal. He is God and was with God. The Jews understood this claim about Jesus Christ. That's the reason they wanted to stone him. He was blaspheming God. Is what we see in Scripture. It's only in the world in which we live today that I guess we've reached a higher level of knowledge that we need to debate who Jesus thinks he was. Jesus was very clear about who he was. One of the core biblical doctrines that we hold to as evangelical Christians is God has revealed himself as a triune God. One God who has revealed himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Three distinct persons, yet one God. Now, I realize that is hard for us to wrap our minds around today. We are finite people trying to grasp an infinite God, and I am convinced this side of heaven, there are some things we will never, ever understand. We must simply accept them by faith, and at the age that I'm at today, I am okay with that. I don't need all of the answers concerning who God is. What makes me think I could ever fully understand an infinite God with a finite mind? Do you see what I'm saying? But the first time in our minds when we can't reason something out, when we don't understand how it works, then the first thing that we claim is it must not be true. Isn't that true? Yeah. But I will clearly tell you this morning, Jesus Christ is the eternal God. He has always been. Now, some of you may say, well, Brother Jeff... What about in the very beginning of time? It says that God created the heavens and the earth. And I realize that. And I also know that he said very clearly, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. 
I don't understand how it all works. But I can tell you this, it does. It does. John made it very clear in this passage of Scripture that Jesus Christ was with God from the very beginning. He was God. Jesus Christ is eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. Just try to wrap your mind around that for a moment, all right? Try to wrap your mind around the understanding of eternity. Let's go back to this text, and I want you to listen to how he closes this passage of Scripture, or this verse 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John's claim is that Jesus Christ is creator. John says all things were made through him. When it comes to the origins of the earth, the origins of our universe, there's basically two schools of thought. Some people claim it occurred accidentally, that somewhere in a distant past, unknown forces came together and there was this big bang. And everything that we see today is because of that big bang. And as a part of this random process, life came into existence, and eventually through millions of years of evolution, we have arrived at the state we are today human beings, a highly complex person with intricate and amazing details. Now, if you believe that this morning, please see me right after worship service because I want to sell you some oceanfront property in Arizona, all right? Evolution is America's greatest lie to its children. It is a hopeless belief system. And what we have done as American government, we have invested millions of dollars, billions of dollars into a hopeless belief system, and we've institutionalized our children in it. And then we want to stand up and we want to scream and we want to holler. I don't understand why America's in the shape in which it is in today. Isn't that true? You know why? Because we have raised a generation of people who are utterly hopeless. They believe there is nothing that happens after life. So there is nothing that makes any difference. There is no sanctity of life in the world in which we live in today. Because we just simply have evolved into what we are today. It is a hopeless belief system. And that is what we have planted in the minds of our children. That's what we've done. But... There is another belief system that many of us believe in here today. It goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, it appeared. The Bible says that the creation of God declares His majesty. When we look at creation and all of the details, it screams, there is a creator God that all this did not just happen by random chance. It's utterly impossible. I want you to listen to one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible. Colossians, the first chapter, verses 16 and 17. For by Him, Jesus Christ, that is, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, 
all things were created through Him and for Him. You're going to struggle if your belief system lies in evolution. You are going to struggle with the Word of God. When it clearly states to us that Jesus Christ is the creator of all that we see, He even created you and me. And because He did, this means two things to us very clearly this morning. First, it means He cares for you. That's what it means. That there is a personal God who cares for you. If He cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more does He care for you? Second, it means He desires a relationship with you. If He created you, He wants you to know Him. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, the evidence says He is the Word. God in human flesh. He is the eternal God. He was with God in the beginning. And He is the Creator. By Him, through Him, and for Him, all things have their existence. That is who Jesus Christ is. As we examine the evidence this morning, there's really only two choices that people have. First, you can reject Jesus Christ and continue to live for self, seeking to fulfill your own selfish desires and appetites. And there will be some people who will make that choice in life. Or, you can choose today to bow your knee and acknowledge that He is Lord and receive Him as Savior of your life. But I will tell you this this morning, and listen to me carefully. Whether you ever choose to bow your knee on this earth to the Lord, I will tell you, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. It will happen one day. And the question we must all ask ourselves this morning is this. What choice will I make? Who do you say Jesus is? That is the most important question you will ever answer in life. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks to our hearts. Your word is powerful and living and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord God, there is none like you. You are the sovereign God of the universe and you are Lord. Father, as we enter into this time of invitation, Continue to work in our hearts and our lives, revealing to us the decisions that we need to make this morning. We give you this time and pray that you would be honored and glorified through it. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.